focused on our habits, and we're calling it uphill habits. And we're trying to we're trying to uh, really understand how we can change habits, how we can replace bad habits with with good habits. And and if you're new to Family Life, if you'll open up the your weekly bulletin, there are sermon notes in there, and you can follow along with the screen. Uh, there are also uh, if you have the YouVersion app, we're on there, and you can, you can, uh, you can follow along online by, with your phone through that and email yourself the notes and so on and so forth. But Aristotle, he said this, that we are what we repeatedly do. And basically, we're the sum total of what we repeatedly do. Our daily actions and, be- and behaviors, they define who we are. So if what, what I want to tell you is this, is the areas in your life that are going well, it's because you have healthy habits. In the areas of your life that aren't going well, it's because you have unhealthy habits. And, and it's so important that we, we just evaluate ourselves. And, and if there's an area of our life that's not going as well as we would like it to, we have to look and we have to change some habits in those areas. We have to replace some unhealthy habits with some healthy ones. The second thing is this, is that we form our habits and then our habits form us. And so again, we become what we, we repeatedly do. And so we form habits and then they put their stamp on our lives. So again, we're just evaluating our habits and looking at these. And something else I've discovered is that most people have, they have uphill hopes, but downhill habits. Have you, have you noticed that? I mean, we have, we have all these hopes of how we're going to be successful and how we're going to change things and how we're going to do things better, but our habits take us downhill. And what I want to say is hope, hope is not a strategy. Hope will get you started, but you need a strategy if you're going to change a certain area, you know, of, of your life. And so, you know, the goal of family life, if you're new around here, uh, the goal of family life is that we just want to help people improve, improve their lives. And that's why, you know, every, all the time we have conferences, we have small groups, whether it's marriage, finances, so on and so forth. And because sometimes people, I think people think that I just do these things because the church needs to do something. But the key is if you'll participate, it'll change your life. We, we just, we just, we, we do Dave Ramsey, the FU class twice a year. And they just finished this past Thursday, and there were thir- 12 or 13 people. And these 12 or 13 people, they paid off $66,000 worth of debt in nine weeks. And you see, that's changing habits. That's, that's getting your life in order. It's taking out some bad spending things and putting in some good things like a budget. And the next thing is this, is that everything worthwhile is uphill. Yes, it takes discipline. It takes intentionality. It takes determination. But here, here's the good news. When you make the first step, God will meet you. He, 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 God doesn't say you have to walk all the way up the hill to me. You just start taking the first steps and you ask God, help me. God, come into my life. God, give me strength. Give me wisdom. Give, give me discipline. Start speaking to me. And God will meet you and he'll hold your hand. He'll take you on that, on that path that you need to go. So, this is a four-week series. We started last week, and over this series, we're going to talk about four principles, four God habits, four uphill habits that I, I believe these four habits, 
uh, it, it may not cover every area of your life, but it, they're macro issues. They cover the big things. I believe it will really help you. If you missed last week, you can go back and listen uh, to that message. Our theme, our text is, is from Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. And look what it says in the message. It says this, fix your attention on God. Can we say that together? Say those four words. Fix your attention on God. And then it says this, you'll be changed from the inside out. See, when God starts working in your life, you may look in the mirror and you may not see a change, but God is working on the inside. And after the inside, you know, after the inside work is complete, then you notice the outside difference. You know, your facial expressions are different. Your attitude's different, things like that. It says readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you. And he develops well-formed maturity in, in you. I want to I um, give a little book advertisement here. One of my friends, when he, he saw that I was talking about habits and he gave me a book. I think they're going to put it on the screen. Yeah, The, the, the Power of Habit. And, and so I read it this week, and it's really interesting. Uh, this, this is a very scientific study. Uh, I believe the guy was a Christian because he talks about some things in there. But, but it's talking about the brain activity and habits. And, and so, you know, they had all these people that were having ha- habit problems, habitual wrong behaviors, and they actually went in their brain and did electrodes and they saw which part of the brain was working, and they developed something that they called keystone habits. A key, here's what a keystone habit is. Uh, it's, it, keystone habits lead to the development of multiple good habits. They start a chain affecting your life that produces a number of positive outcomes. So what they found is if you change a keystone habit, by changing that, other things in your life will start changing as well. And so that, th- this series is about keystone habits. These four, er- these four things we're going to talk about, if you make them a habit, it starts overflowing into the other areas of your life. I want to tell you one story from the book. Uh, they, they, these, these researchers, and they, they had this lady, and this is four years later. So four years earlier, uh, she... She was a heavy smoker. She was a heavy drinker. She was heavily in debt. Uh, she couldn't keep a job for more, than, for more than 10 months, okay? And so four, four years later, they're looking at her, and she doesn't smoke. She doesn't drink. Um, she's had a job for three years and eight months, and she had lost 40 pounds. And so they're like, what happened? And, and she told them a story. She said, well, four years ago, my husband came in and told me he wanted to, to divorce me. And, and so we, we got a divorce. And uh, she said, you know, I didn't have any money, but I had a little bit of room on my credit card. So I went ahead and maxed them out and uh, went to Egypt. I'd always wanted to go to Egypt and, and see, see the Sphinx and things like that. And so when she was in Egypt, she had an emotional breakdown. She's there by herself. She's in a taxi cab. She's just crying uh, uncontrollably. And she decided... I need something to focus on to get through this. So she looked as she was traveling around Egypt. She saw that they had a tour that would go through the desert, like a four-day tour going through the desert or five days, whatever. And she said, in one year, I'm going to come back here, and I'm going to do that tour through the desert. 
And so as she was sitting there thinking, she said, you know, uh, if I'm going to take a trip to the desert and do all that strenuous stuff, the one thing I have to do is I have to quit smoking. So she made a vow that day to quit smoking. Well, after she quit smoking, she replaced the habit of smoking with the habit of jogging. And so now she doesn't smoke and smoke and, and within one year she'd done two half marathons. By the four-year mark, she'd done like a, a few more half marathons and a full marathon. Well, she quit smoking, she started jogging. So then all of a sudden she starts eating healthier because she's realizing what she's doing. So now she's dropped 40 pounds. And, and now she's just happier about herself. So she goes to work and realizes that the problem that I was having wasn't with work, it was with me. So now she's happy with her job. And so the, isn't it funny, but all she wanted to do was quit smoking. But that, that, keystone, that keystone habit set forth a myriad of other, of other things in her life. And so, uh, you know, last week we talked about the habit of focusing on what you do first. And we said, put God first in every area of your life and he'll bless everything else. And, and that's the keystone habit. When you put God first in your life and really start growing and pursuing him and reading your Bible and praying and doing the things that cause you to grow spiritually, that's a keystone habit because all of a sudden you're a better husband or wife. All of a sudden your anger problems aren't as bad. All of a sudden you were so dissatisfied with life, but now you're starting to feel joy, joy and peace in your life. Let me, let me, I'm going to tell you one more story before we move forward today. So this uh, one guy in their, in their study, he had, he had had uh, like meningitis and it ate up part of his brain. He was 71 years old. He'd been married for 42 years, uh, but he recovered physically, but he could never learn anything new again. And so every day was a new day. And they were doing all these tests on him, and they told his wife when she took him home, don't let him out of the house because he'll never, he'll, by himself, he'll never make it back. Uh, and so what, what they did, so every, I mean, he was driving the wife crazy because every five minutes it was the same question as before, you know? And... Uh, as a matter of fact, um, they had to put a lock on the refrigerator because he would eat eggs and bacon four times in the morning. You know, he'd forget he ate. <laughs> and what a life, man. Have breakfast four times a day. So one day she couldn't find him. And she looked everywhere for him. And about 15 minutes later, he came walking. He did the walk around the block that they had been doing every morning and evening. He walked around the block and he came back in. And they're like, wow, he can't remember anything. He can't learn anything new. But the power of that habit, they did it twice a day, so he just came back there. And so they took a walk with him, and they're walking around. They're like, so where is your house from here? He's like, I don't know. But he walked right back to the house. They, they went inside, and they said, hey, draw, draw us a map of the inside of your house, and he couldn't do it. They said, well, what do you do if you're hungry? And he got up and walked in the kitchen and grabbed some nuts from the counter. But the amazing thing is, is that if he was taking a walk around the block, if anything was different, if there was the county construction crew working on the sidewalk, he wouldn't make it back home. But that's an incredible thing. So what I'm saying is, see, our habits are so ingrained in our minds that we do them without thinking. I mean, if you think about it, when you take a shower in the morning, you, you, do, you take a shower the same way every, every time. Whether you wash your left arm first or you wash your hair first. I mean, so we, we get in the habit of doing things and we don't really realize that we're doing them. That's the power of a habit. So if we establish God habits, uphill habits, keystone habits, after a while, 
we'll just be doing them because that's what's ingrained in our mind and it will produce uh, life into us. So habit number two, the first one was focus on what you do first, the keystone habit. And the next one is this, is that I have to control my thoughts. I have to control my thinking and our thoughts are incredibly powerful and the Bible has a lot to, to, to say about the power of, of what we think and the power of our thinking. I was thinking this week, and you can think about this later in the day, but every pivotal point in my life took place because I had a new thought. I just had a new thought. And that thinking allowed me to change an area of my life or to make a course, a course correction. So here, here's the thought. All of us, I, you, me, we will never change our lives until we change the way that we think. Ecclesiastes 10 to it says this, wise thinking leads to right living, but stupid thinking leads to wrong living. So that's true. If, if we're thinking uh, good thoughts, if we're thinking good things, positive things, spiritual things, it leads us to right living. If we have bad thinking, whether it's stupid, dumb, whatever, uh, it leads to wrong living. So I want to do something this morning. I'm going to kind of talk about the theology of thinking and just break that down from the Bible. And then we, before we close today, I'm going, to give you, I'm going to give you five practical action steps that you can uh, take into your life this week. And I think if you'll apply them, it will help you begin to shift how you think and begin to shift your thoughts into uh, some more, uh, I guess, practical or better ways of thinking. Uh, everything begins with a thought. So, the, so the, again, the things you're doing well, it's because you're thinking right in those areas. The, the areas that you're not doing well in, perhaps your thoughts, your thinking is not good in that area. So if you try to change a behavior without changing the thought that led to that behavior, you'll never be successful. Can I say that again? I mean, I, I know I'm not a deep person, but think about it. it. You can't change a behavior. You can't change something you do until you, you change the thinking that causes you to do that. So, for example, uh, a lot of habits are done out of stress. People come home from work and they drink, they overeat, they, or they, they smoke, they do whatever because of stress on their life. Well, if you found a different way to relieve your stress, if you started exercising or taking a walk or doing whatever, uh, see, your thinking up to this point has led you, that's the, that's, this is the way that I have to decompress by doing this, this behavior. But if you have a thought process, well, maybe if I start reading my Bible, that would help me to decompress. Maybe if I just took 15 minutes just to pray, maybe that would help me decompress. Maybe if I took a walk or, or around, around the block. So we have, to, we have to, talking about our thinking, and we have to be very careful what goes into our mind in that, especially that first hour of the day. The first hour of the day, the first 30 minutes of your day, it really sets the course to your day. So I'm, I'm a very, I guess, strategic person. I'm a very task-oriented person. So I wake up every day and I have a list of stuff that needs to do. But if I start doing that list before I read my Bible, before I pray, before I really think through my day, if I just get up and open emails and there's problems and things, I get flustered and I start doing things. And before long, I, can't, I don't even want to think about reading my Bible. So I have to be very careful. All of us are that way. We have to be very careful, very intentional how we spend the first few minutes of our day because how we do that is going gonna, is gonna to set our thought process up. It's going to set 
uh, our emotions and our temperament up, uh, either, either positive or negative. Romans 12, 2, it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. And here's how he does it, by changing the way you think. If you change the way you think, if you change the way you see things, uh, you can change habits. The next thing is what we think determines how we feel. Now, I, I talk to people all the time and I literally meet with hundreds of people a month. And people always tell me, they give me the reason for how they feel. And it's always another person or situation. It's my wife, it's my spouse, it's my boss who just makes me feel terrible. It's the economy, it's politics. You know, it's my, my neighbor. I mean, my neighbor makes me so mad. When I drive down the street, I just see him and I get mad. And your neighbor may have problems, okay? That, that may be true. But if you want to think about it, what we think about people and what we think about things is really what makes us, uh, you know, Feel, feel bad or depressed or energized. It, so it's, your, it's re, your response to these things. It's your thought life that's determining how you feel. Have you noticed that everyone lives in the same world, but some people are happy and some aren't? To some, the, the glass is half full. To others, it's half empty. So, you know, we have millions and millions of people that are, that are ha- in the same situations, have the same issues, the same struggles, but some, some overcome them and some are overcome by them. And I, I think the, answer, the reason is it's our response, is our thinking. So here, here's the kicker. I, har- I hardly ever ask very much of you, except to join groups or something like that. But I don't ask that much of you, but I have a big ask for you this week. For just one week, I want you just to um, have pity on me and help me with this research, okay? For one week, I'm going to ask you, to cut out as much social media in media in your life for one week. And I know some of you may have to do some of that for work, but if you don't have to, I'm just going to encourage you for one week, for one week, just shut all that stuff down. And, you know, so basically what I'm saying is, you know, no Facebook, no Instagram, no tweets, um, no talk radio, no evening news, no video games. Hey, kids, don't kill anyone this week. Let them live for a week. Let them live for a week. They'll be okay. They'll be there to kill next week. But because but, here's what I'm thinking. What comes into our mind, what comes into our mind determines what we think. And sometimes we listen to the same garbage over and over and over again. And it just, it, it messes with us. It, it makes us, it makes us mad. So I'm going to ask you to do that for one week. I mean, and let me even go further than that. Uh, if you're a big news person or big sports radio talk show person, if you're a big uh, politics radio person, what I want to say is this. If you leave it alone for a week and listen to it in a week, it'll be the same. You know, you'll be fine. I, I did a two-week experiment by accident. I went to Nepal at the end of March and April. And I mean, you're off the grid there, whether you want to be or not. And I was trying to get news, but, you know, there's... What I'm, you know, you're worried about internet. I'm just worried about electricity, right? And um, so anyway, I was gone for two weeks. And incredible time, man. I was, I was rested. Miracles everywhere. All dealing, helping pastors. It was just awesome. I landed in Houston. 
and I turned my, I got in my truck and I was driving across town. I turned the radio on just to hear some news. I was, but by the time I get home, I'm just mad. Nothing had changed. I'm so, t- I don't even want to hear Mueller's name anymore. The Mueller report and political bickering and come on, solve something. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but, but what I'm saying is I, I noticed that, wow, you know, that just really frustrates me. I don't want to hear people arguing. I don't want to hear people arguing. I don't want to hear them bickering. I don't want to hear any, any of that. And so shut it down for one week. And what, what I'm saying is this, like you, you, first of all, you don't realize how much time you spend on things. You don't realize how much time you're spending on Facebook, social media, different things, how much time. And uh, I remember one year, several years ago, for a whole year, I didn't, I didn't listen to any music or anything in my car. It was the most peaceful year of my life. I mean, I could think, I could pray. And, I mean, even if you're listening to worship music, it just, it just there's something about having, uh, you know, some, some quiet time. A man came in to, uh, to talk to me one day a few months ago, and he said, man, Terry, you know, I love church and everything, but he's like, I just really struggle with worship. I, I don't like, you know, I just... He's like, as a matter of fact, I come late. Just, I just want to come hear the speaking. I don't want to hear worship, whatever. I'm like, well, what, you, know, what, what's, you know, what's the problem? Uh, and in worship team, I'm sorry about this example, but hey, if it makes you feel better, sometimes people leave because they don't like me. So there you go. We'll be even. And he said, um, he said, well, I, he said, you know, so I started talking to him. And I was like, well, you know, because I said, you know, our band, they play popular music that's on the radio. If you go to Lakewood, if you go to any other of these larger churches that are doing contemporary worship, you're going to hear some of the same songs, so what's the problem? And what I, so I, I said, well, what do you listen to during the week? And he said, I listen to political radio, and I listen, I listen to talk radios, like all the time driving around town. And so what I realized is he never listened to any Christian music, so he didn't know any of the songs. And I said, I want, I want, to, I want, to, I want you to do a two-week challenge. I, I, I don't want you to listen to no more talk radio, no more political radio, and I want you just to put, just put worship music on. You know, put on Spotify, whatever you want to do, just for a week. And you know what he told me? It's like, man, it, it really changed. First of all, it changed how I felt during the day. I wasn't getting riled up. But second of all, it's like I came and I actually knew one of the songs, you know? And, and so what, what I'm saying is um, we, we, we just have to think about what's going in our mind and because what's going in our mind really determines our outlook on life. It determines how we feel about life. Philippians 4.8, it says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And look at the next verse. And the peace of God will be with you. And that's what we want. We want the peace of God. We want peace in our mind and our thoughts. So, again, we can't change what's going on around us, but we can change what we're thinking about and what's going into and producing our thought life. The next, the last thing in this section is this, is that our thoughts determine our destiny. Our thoughts determine our destiny. You are today where your thoughts have brought you, and you will be tomorrow, next time this year, you will be where your thoughts take you from here to there. So the only way to, to go to a higher level, the only way to take a different path is, is we have to change how, how we think. Romans 8, 5, and 6, it says this, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please 
the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life in peace. Life in peace. So now let's, let, let's talk about, let me give you some practical things that, that will produce good thinking in your life. And, and listen, I don't care if you use three of these, four of these, all of these, if you change them up. I'm just trying, I'm just trying to help you because you will never go higher than your, than your thoughts. You will never go in a different direction than your thoughts are. What, how we think, how we see things, the things that we think and say out of our mouth, they're really like a self-fulfilling prophecy for us. So if we're going to change, if we're not happy with something, we have to change how we think the habit of thinking. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are, are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So we demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up, up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So that's the thought is, is we can take our thoughts captive with the help of, of Jesus, with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes pe- I talk to people and they're like, well, I just can't help what I think. Yes, you can. And that's the first thing, we have to take responsibility. If you don't want to take responsibility, you're thinking, the reason you're thinking that way is because that's what's putting, what you're putting in your mind. And, and, I, and I'll put it this way, if I put you in an isolated situation and I could control what you saw, what you heard, your thinking would be different. You know, so what, what, what comes into our mind controls us. Number one, find a plan to control my thoughts. We have to find a plan and you know, Henry Cloud is the big, he's the big boundaries guy. He wrote the boundaries book, and he's a great speaker. But what he would say is, in every area of your life, you have to put boundaries. So you have to put boundaries on what you watch, on what you see, on what you listen to, because those are feeding your thoughts. So you have to put a boundary around that, and you have to eliminate a lot of the things that aren't good. I mean, the Internet is an incredible thing, but there's also a lot of garbage on it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of technology and all the availability of things has, has changed things. So you have to put boundaries and safeguards on what comes through your mind, uh, you know, you know through, through, through social media and things like this. I was listening, I was listening to an expert, a, a parenting expert, uh, talk, I don't know, maybe two years ago, and the, some parents asked him, how old should our kids be before you give them a phone? And he said, well, let me tell you something. For your boys, give them a phone whenever you want them to see pornography. And that was like a, because he said, I, I assure you, there is so much bad stuff on purpose. Accidentally, someone will send them some. When, when you give a young boy availability online, eventually it's going to lead them uh, to bad things. So here's the best plan. Here's the best plan for putting boundaries on your thinking. Listen, start reading the Bible. I mean, start reading the Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. Only 2% of Christians who attend church every week have actually read their Bible through. I mean, you got, listen, our minds, we forget things. I, I, read, the, I, I read the Bible through every year and I read a passage, I'm like, man, I know I've read that passage a hundred times, but I never saw it that way. You know, so read your Bible, start filling your life. Hebrews 4.12 says the Word of God is alive and active. See, some people think, oh, the Bible's written all these years ago. No, the Bible, God's Word, it's inspired. It, it's alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates 
even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of your heart. I, I, I tell people, don't read your Bible. Let your Bible read you. Have you, I mean, have you ever started reading the Bible? Maybe you weren't in the right frame of mind. In the, you know, the, in the first paragraph, you read it just like, you do, whoa, you know. And, and that's what the Bible does. The Bible is like a mirror. It, it, it shows you where you're at currently, what your thoughts are, what your attitudes are. And it really can help you get on track. Number two. Find a place to think your thoughts. Excuse me. Find a place to think your thoughts. And by the way, on the Bible, you know, there are all these apps and everything. They have a one-year Bible reading plan. takes 15 minutes a day. Uh, You know, so start doing that. Uh, Find a place to think my thoughts. And here's what, all of us need a place that we go to that's conducive for us to think, to, to spend time with God, to start talking to Him, start praying with Him. And it doesn't matter where that is. It can be a car ride somewhere and your car's quiet. It can be, it can be a chair. It can be a quiet place. But we have, there's so much noise today. And we have to get away where we can just connect with God, pray, and just have some time to think. And again, uh, I believe this. If you start spending quiet time with God and really talking to him, I believe he'll give you some creative thoughts that you've never had before. I, I used to joke about this, but <clears throat> many years ago, the place where I had great thoughts was when I would mow my yard. Now, as, as my kids tell me, I'm getting so old that I can't possibly mow my yard anymore, so they mow it for me. But anyway, but for, because, it, you know, I had a pretty big yard, and so for 30, 45 minutes, pushing the mower, the weed eater, it was so loud that there, there's, there's nothing else that could get in the way of my, and I just, I thought. And now I have different ways, but you need, you need, because remember, we're talking about habits. And if you find a place that's conducive for thinking and praying and quiet, and you, it, you make it a habit to go there. Uh, it's a funny story. My one friend, he moved uh, to a new place, and where he moved from had a big boulder outside of his yard. <clears throat> and he would go sit on the boulder and pray. Now, to me, that doesn't sound very comforting, but he loved it. And he was complaining to his brother, and his brother was a very wealthy man. So his brother shipped a huge, massive rock and put it in his backyard for him. He says, I don't want any excuses for you not praying, you know? But think, it's, we're talking about mate developing habits. So if you get up every morning, you go to a comfortable chair and get a cup of coffee, and that's the place where you just, you know, connect with God and talk with him, read your Bible before, before you start your day. Isaiah 26.3, it says this, that God, he will keep... In perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Remember our very opening verse, fix your attention on God. The third thing is this, find people who can stretch your thoughts. So it, it is, I'm so disappointed with society today because in society today, it's almost like if you don't agree 100% with me, I'm just mad at you. Well, how grown up is that, you know? That's so grown up. You're such a spokesman for maturity. You know what I'm saying? No. Listen, I have pastor friends. I have other Christian friends who stretch, they stretch my thinking. I don't agree with everything they say. I don't have to. The purpose is not to agree with everything they say, but if they say one or two things that give me ideas and stretch me, that's beneficial. 
And, and that's why I tell people, that's why it's important uh, not just to come to a, a large assembly, but to get into a small group, get into a marriage group, get into the financial group, get into a Bible study, because you'll have other Christians there that can help stretch your thoughts. And, you know, it's funny in a small group, sometimes when someone else speaks, they say things in a way that I've never thought of before. That helps you grow. If I'm isolated by myself, then all I'm stuck with is my thoughts. And especially if I'm not connecting with God. If I, I connect with God, now I get his thoughts. If I connect with others, now I get God's thoughts through another personality. That, that's huge. I'm telling you, you, we have to stretch our thoughts. <clears throat> We're on a small break semester in the summer. And in the, we get into the fall, we'll have a number of variety of groups um, that, are, that, are, that are open and hopefully you can join with those. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us, not, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Number four, find a purpose to land my thoughts. I think, I think one of the, the biggest problems we have in the world today is that we're so busy but we don't know why we're busy. Well, what are you doing? I don't know, but I'm doing it fast. You know, where are you going? I, I don't know, but I got somewhere to be. But th think about this. So I, I believe this. If you, get, if you get into a routine or a habit and you're going to work just because you have to go to work, because you have to provide for your family and it's just a necessary evil, if you... You know, if you are raising your family and you're just trying to feed and clothe everyone and you don't, you don't look at it like, man, I have an incredible responsibility here uh, to, to pour some things into them. Uh, we can even start coming to church. Well, I, I, man, I hadn't been in two weeks. I need to go. And we can, we can do that, but, not, but never really get invested, never really serve, never really, you know, take ownership. So if we do that, now think about it this way. If we understand our purpose, if we get connect with God and understand our purpose, understand that, man, in every area that I'm involved in in my life, God has strategically put me there. He strategically put me on this job. He strategically gave me the wife that I have and the kids that I have. He strategically asked me to come to family life. You know, the people living next to me, they may have issues, but God put me in that house. When we start understanding that, man, I, I have... I have a purpose in everywhere I'm at. And then we start praying about that. You know what happens? God will give you creative thoughts about work, about church, about your family, about your neighbor that you would never have on your own. But that's the problem. If we're just going to work, oh, I got to clock out, I got to go home. But if we're saying, man, God put me here, how can I make it better? Are there things we can change? That's when creativity and our thinking starts to change. When, man, I have a purpose everywhere I'm at. So what, what is it that God wants me to do here? And you may be at work and, and it may be a person there that he just wants you to connect with and encourage. It, you know, whatever. You may come to church and you may start leading a group one day and God has a, has a plan, a plan for you. Uh, I also, I encourage people to take the grow track because in this grow track, we have spiritual gifts tests and all, all kind of things that will help direct you to learning what your purpose may be, what, what, what God's will for your life may be. And let me close with this. The last thing is this. 
You have to find a power to fuel your thoughts. You have to find a power to fuel your thoughts. And I'm not talking about an energy drink here, okay? Okay? If you want to drink energy drinks, that's fine, okay? But here's the thought. When you connect with God and he starts speaking into your life, you know what he's going to tell you? He's going to tell you something bigger than you. Sometimes I talk to people and say, God spoke to me and told me this. I'm like, well, that may, did you listen to the rest of what he said? It's a genius thing that God does. When he gives us a vision or something, it's bigger than we could ever do. And so we need the fuel of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that. We can't do it. We can't do it, you know, on our, on our own. And I was, I was thinking th- this past week, I was thinking, uh, I think this summer will be the 20th anniversary of family life. And I remember when I first moved here, and we had been going like six months, and we're in a daycare, and we have like 25 or 30 people. But the vision God had given my family for this church was to reach hundreds and thousands of people. And, I, and I'm, you know, after a Sunday service, I'm thinking about the service. I'm like, okay, God, we hardly have any people. We're in a daycare. We don't have our own place. How in the world are we going to impact the nations? I thought that was a legitimate thought, you know, it's a legitimate thought. And, and, and here's exactly what God said to me. You can't, but I can. You can't, but I can. And, and I started thinking about that, and I was reflecting last week, and I was just, just reflecting, and I want to brag on God for a minute. But, you know, church, we, we, we just started doing what we had the ability to do, started planning church and things. You know, as of last week, our church has planted, has started 180 churches around the world. 180 churches. More, more than 60,000 people have come to know Jesus because family life existed. Now, if you would have asked me, I'm serious. If you'd asked me, how many churches do you think you want to plant in your career? If, if I would have said, man, if we could do 20, that would be awesome. Like 20 that, and that would be awesome. And I, I was just thinking about the hundreds of people that have been saved in this church, and maybe they moved on around, hundreds of people have been water baptized. And, you know, it's just, it's, just, it's, just, it's just amazing. But I thought about this, you know, church, is that, see, here's thinking. We never want to get stuck in the past. What does God want for us today? What does God want for us in five years? And, I, and, and you know what I think? I think, that, I think that our church can even do greater things. There are thousands of people within a five-mile radius of this building who don't know Jesus. Eighty percent of people in our, in, our, in our current community don't go to church. And what if, we under, what if we even understood, man, my purpose is to build the kingdom of God. My purpose is to minister to people in my neighborhood, minister to people at work. My goal is to lead people to Jesus. My goal is to pray for people to be healed. That would, that, would be a, that would be a huge thing. Would you stand with me, church? And after I pray and dismiss, guys, if y'all would help us stack these chairs up in our rows of eight, stacks of eight, that would be awesome. Would you close your eyes with me just for a moment? So we're talking about the habit of thinking, controlling what comes in our mind, and, and that basically what comes into our mind sets the direction for our lives You'll never go higher than your thoughts. The thoughts that you're thinking right now are going to lead you 
to where you're going to be next year. So the only way we can elevate our lives, the only way we can go higher is that we have to change our thinking. I just want to pray for you this morning. If you're hearing and you say, you know, Terry, I know that there's areas of my thought life that aren't good and, and I want to reestablish this keystone habit of, of, of healthy thinking and I want to ask God to forgive me for my, how, what's been going in my mind and I just want to ask him to help me. Would you just raise your hands to the Lord? God, we come before you. Lord, for, first of all, we, we repent we repent for what we've been allowing to come into our minds, God. Lord, if junk comes in, junk comes out. So God, we, we ask for forgiveness. And Lord, we're going to put boundaries around our thinking. We're going to create a plan that limits all the things that are making us frustrated, angry about different things. And God, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you're going to give us discipline and determination, Lord God to really focus our thinking. So we repent of the past, and God, we ask you to help us to establish a healthy habit of thinking. Lord, filling our minds with your word, filling our minds with prayer, God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Church, ha listen, have a great holiday tomorrow, and we'll see you next week.